idea what this is, K9. Dangerous, addictive. Bad stuff. It's the worst. I've seen whole planets ravaged by it. This is your brain. This is your brain on. Paul to Paul to Any questions? Yes, and what do you do? It's just an electric zoo. Who knows what forces exist in an unstable zone such as that? It doesn't just take recordings. Are you claiming superior knowledge? I'm just having fun. Yes, that could be the answer. I just wish you'd get on with it. I got a schedule. Right, now hold on very tight. Here comes the drums! Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program, every single story in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, coming to you live this week from the surface of the planet Eden, uh, where I've, I've gone for an on-the-scene report. Uh, we'll be uh, snorting some Braxoxin later. Uh, but in the meantime, let's explain how we got here to Eden. Uh, folks, do you want to... Uh, Pete, do you want to catch the folks up on where we've been previously? Sure thing. Although little does Chris know, he might actually be in a laser crystal recording of Eden. We're not sure. Wait, We're investigating that. But previously yeah. on Pull to Open, so we've been bouncing around the Pertwee era for a bit. So mm-hmm. a little while back, about three stories ago or four, depending on when you're listening to this, we did Day of the Daleks for a nice little timey-wimey adventure where timelines are created and obliterated with lots of cgi or maybe there wasn't i don't know it's all kind of uh mishmash because timelines are colliding the canon itself is colliding we have no idea for sure at the advice of david Tennant, we got out of there we went to one of his stories um which was the epic two-parter human nature and the family of blood which has only risen in reputation since the broadcast so many years ago we had a great time with steven Chapansky from radio free scaro on that episode it's already our highest viewed episode on youtube it was epic great time go check it out if you haven't already Um, yeah another piece of foreshadowing there with a david Tennant's doctor not really knowing who he is Right, right. Interesting. Wow. Timelines colliding and repeating, it seems. But we had to get out of there. We had to get out of there. Uh, We couldn't live forever in uh, human nature, whether we were in the mirror or not. And we jumped ahead. Did we jump ahead? No, we didn't. We sort of jumped ahead. We jumped. jumped, First of all, we jumped to a comic book timeline to talk a bit about the Star Beast. The yeah, original jammed the controls that ran to to go there and yeah. talk about uh, the glory of Dave Gibbons' uh, original comic. Yeah, uh, but the last and, time yeah. on the uh, proper podcast, because we've been doing a lot of that. Well, okay, well, first of all, I should say we did. We also did the Star Beast hot take, which the timelines are really colliding here, guys, because it's like when we're recording this podcast, we haven't done that yet. But you've probably heard our take on the Star Beast, the TV episode already. Uh, in addition to our last proper podcast, done the three doctors. And sorry for no dramatic yes. <laughs> preamble to that one. We also did the three doctors, but it was really apt that we did the 10th anniversary special on the date of the 60th anniversary special, which is that super duper so, awesome. And, so wild, so good, yeah. so weird. Uh, so weird. That was the first uh 
first story that I recorded here in Costa Rica. Spoiler alert, it's not actually planet, planet Eden. And uh, knowing that it was in uh, a, a lush green setting, um, the randomizer then took us forward again from the Three Doctors to Season 17 serial for the much-troubled, very nightmarish Nightmare of Eden. Boom. Yes. Boom. Dude, do you ever watch Red Dwarf? <laughs> do I ever? Yes, I do. Ever. So I realize now we should have just done what they did at the beginning of season six, I think, of that show where Crichton, where Lister goes into this long explanation of what happened since the end of the last <laughs> season. And Crichton's like, dude, that was convoluted ridiculous and more boring than an in-flight magazine on air belgium just tell them what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> and that's, we should have just cut to here's like forget where we were here's where we are we're doing nightmare that's of eden. right we are in the nightmare of eden we're in douglas adams era we are here at the last bob barker special uh very special episode uh, Bob Barker does drugs. Hey. Doctor Who does drugs. It's it's an astonishing. Hey, Bob Barker. Uh, uh, Bob Baker. <laughs> why do I host of right? Yes, yes. That's why. That's why. Oh my goodness! It's it's too many bakers in Doctor Who. So I'm randomly assigning extra consonants to some of the bakers. Uh, sorry, Bob. Um, yes, Bob Barker. Bob Baker was very successful with the Wallace and Gromit series. Uh, Bob Barker ended his career here. The timeline's diverged. Wouldn't blame you for being big fans of both. But guys, if you want to cut right to our commentary of Nightmare on Eden, and I have no idea why you wouldn't want to do that, um, (laughs) you can just check the show notes for the exact time our commentary on that uh, story begins. We always begin, of course, with TLDW. So you can cut right to that. But of course, you do not want to do that, of course, because we don't just have an all new Hemoji challenge. Yes, it was on hold for a week, but it's back. We got the Hemoji challenge. We have poll to open with results on what everybody thought of human nature and the family of blood and lots more. It is all coming up in the Pulse to Open Pulse Loop. Of course, Fletcher Damon. That's right. I'm going to start with the, uh, the brand new thing that we've got on this weird platform called the World Wide Web. We're at PulseToOpen.net. Uh, yes, we have a, actually have a website. We have a newsletter. Uh, we have a Patreon uh, where you can support the podcast, patreon.com slash pull to open. Subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get our full written episodes. I also think that we should maybe uh, have the subscribers and our patrons uh, involved in the voting process next time we do a a Hot 100. Uh, Go check out our episode on that. And uh, Pete, we've got some more special commentaries. Uh, We recorded one in their past, which is our future. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, but what else we got coming? Well, we got one coming up tonight, which should be Wild Blue Yonder when this is posting. So look out for that. Yeah, my God. Uh, Can you believe one when one. that thing happened in Starbeast that we totally didn't expect? Yeah, man. <laughs> that was all the wild. Starbeastness. Oh, my God. And when <laughs> so that, Starbeast. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. But Beep was a villain. My God. Wow. Insane. How, how could um, you? But. We'll get one more next week, of course, after whatever <laughs> the yes. next episode is. But we'll also do a hot take on the giggle. 
We will indeed. And you, while you're waiting for the giggle and for the Wild Blue Yonder, one of the best ways to show your support for the show is leave a review in the podcast app you're using, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. Please, uh, please review responsibly. Five star reviews are excellent, but whatever, how many stars you want to dock for all of this rubbish we talk at the start of the podcast, uh, it will still make the show more visible to listeners, eager great discussions of Doctor Who. Best best way to show your appreciation not just to leave your review leave it in the form of a who emoji a story title of uh, doctor who that we can then use to torture me in a later episode or uh, well the, the the other thing you could do is to share it with a friend uh share the podcast with a friend just dip randomly into your address book send this particular show right now uh and uh, and yeah maybe they can jump in uh at this point which is where we get the who emoji challenge that's yes they can follow along exactly they can play the guessing game on their own and maybe help you out yep because it is time as you said for the emoji challenge and we have some new emojis and guys oh you're gonna love it just as i do because we get to twist the knife here (laughs) on chris's emoji knowledge now that we're I'm a little I'm getting a little too graphic with the violence on this one. Yeah, but it's going to be wow. this is going to be a tough one, I think. Um, I'm thinking so, about which stories have twisted knives in them. Anyway, <laughs> of course, all of these are user, uh, reader, viewer submitted, and this one comes at us from Jack Hustwaite on Twitter, who gave us an easy, medium, hard. And you remember the last one might have been a little bit easy. That was the Web Planet. Mm. Well, we're going right to medium. And this is going to be a tough one, I think. Lots to choose from. So, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. We have three emojis. First emoji, downward arrow. Okay. Second emoji, water droplet. Okay. Third emoji, devil. Grinning devil. Oh, gosh. Down arrow, water droplet, grinning devil. Drop that in the chat. Is it the impossible planet? It is not the impossible planet. the Satan pit? No. All right. Just wanted to get those out of the way. Uh, Downward arrow, water droplet. um, hmm. Uh, Is it it Inferno? It is not Inferno. Oh boy! Let me know if you need some hints. <laughs> yeah, I might need the, uh, the the most important hint of all. Is it old or new? Who? It is old. Who? And I would say quite old. Who? Oh my goodness! Uh, that was probably going to make it uh, much more difficult in my eyes. God, what what could this be? Uh, the water droplet. Not not a whole ocean. So. We're not talking about the weed. We're not talking about the wriggly things in the weed. Uh, Fury from the Deep. We're uh, not. We're getting we're one. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so it's Trouton. Um, gosh, water droplets, devil face. I The underwater menace. It's the underwater menace! <laughs> <laughs> you got it! You just needed like a hint or two. That was a tough one, right? And that's only medium. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Underwater. 
I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Jack. The that next was, was going to be because I was thrown off by that too. I was I was thrown off by the devil because I was little like you were. I think a little too literal. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking when I when I first got it, and I was I was DMing with Jack, is this the Sea Devils? Um, <laughs> and mm. it is not. Uh, so as I long as they're not too literal with any of them, uh, I think it was all right. So thanks so much, Jack, for that. Yeah, thank you. Great, great you cryptic too. crossword skills. Mm. Yes, love it. You too can be a Himuji challenge uh, person and get shouted out on the podcast and be uh, forever recorded in our codex because every one of these emojis goes into our codex. Link also in the show notes. And you will be immortalized forever as the person who named that Doctor Who episode in the form of an emoji. Indeed. And another way to immortalize yourself is if you're on Spotify, you can poll to open. That's right. Pull from the bottom of the screen. There'll be a little poll asking you what you think of Nightmare on on Eden, in Eden, of Eden. You know what? Nightmare against Eden. (laughs) (laughs) I could not remember every single time I was researching this. A nightmare of, nightmare in. Anyway, uh, you can vote on that, but you can also vote on every other show uh, where we have a poll on Spotify. And uh, stay in line if you're in line, because those polls stay open for many, many thousands of years. Uh, after we record it so you you can change the outcome on every single one of our polls just go to the episode page in the app and vote there and we got some results from human nature slash the family of blood and uh, spoiler alert i think people like this one (laughs) you betcha wow an outpouring of banger support this is a Viscount banger. It is not unanimous, but it is overwhelmingly the majority at close to 70% of the votes. And the yeah, most of the yeah. rest went to Dalek, which is a good episode of Doctor Who. So very, very well regarded. Indeed. Uh, and, person, and to be expected, yeah. really, just because it did do so well in, in the Doctor Who magazine poll, it's right. the new number seven best story of all time, according to to uh, the readers of the magazine so yeah yeah if a seventh best gets uh, 70 percent in our poll that's that seems like we're about on track yeah like i was and, saying it's, uh, it's definitely yeah. risen in reputation over time and a little bit of the people voting uh, made it a fixed point in time which i don't cr- yeah. fully understand um but i i glad there were no professor haters or ogrons or lady cassandras because come on that's just silliness this is not yeah at all uh, weak Doctor Who in any way. Having read the book, I could see people could be like, you know, I, I love the book for so many years, I, I just can't get with the show by understand Oh, yeah. Do that would be a good fixed point in time reason. Makes sense. Folks, if you are a follower of the podcast on a podcast app, there is another place you can follow it, which is YouTube, and that is youtube.com slash pull to open. Even if you're already listening. Uh, it's a great place to show some support uh, and get our sort of uh, join our followers there because there is a lot of great discussion on YouTube. And it's another place you can leave an emoji title or a comment and also see all the things we got here. And we got a little That's fourth right. doctor action there in the background nice. and other Easter eggs. Of yeah, course, if yeah. you are watching which on YouTube. Random countries pop up next. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Remember to like and subscribe. If- Hit the there it icon. is. We got to get that in. Got to do the like and subscribe. 
Yeah, we're growing fast on YouTube. We've got over a thousand followers there now. We've got more than eleven thousand followers on TikTok, where we're pulled to open. You can listen to the whole podcast on TikTok. That's right. Stop scrolling. Stop going to your for you page. Just listen to the whole damn podcast, TikTok kids. It's an hour and a half. What are you going to do? Uh, just chill out, listen to us, mm. keep on commenting there, and all the rest, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, Pull to Open 63, and Blue Sky, Pull to Open. Uh, now, there's a lot <laughs> a lot to talk about, a lot we might normally want to talk about here on the Pulse Loop. Uh, however, we're, we're so disconnected in time from when it's happening, and you know so much more than us, dear Lizzo, about about the anniversary specials and the new direction that the show appears to be going in. Uh, we won't, and the we color won't trouble episode you. of the Daleks. That's all in the past, yes. too, now. Indeed. My God, I'm so jealous of you future people. You've seen so much Doctor Who and, and stuff. We'll catch up. I can't, um, can't believe they did that to the Daleks. Uh, but yes, it is time. It's time to stop procrastinating because it's time once again to torture me, uh, I believe. Is that correct, Pete? Always. Yep. It's always <laughs> the Chris Taylor Torture Fest here in Pult Open because it's time to begin our commentary, as we always do, with a little segment we like to call TLDW, Too Long Didn't Watch, Too Long Doctor Who, where one of us summarizes the entire plot of the story we're talking about in record time. And today that is you, sir, Mr. Chris Taylor. Are you ready to tell us all, right. all about what happened in Nightmare of Eden? Because I kind of want to know. <laughs> Not at all, uh, which is why I'm going to pause for a PSA. We do have a PSA this week. We don't have an ad read. Uh, but I just wanted to say, and this is a special PSA to all the kids out there. This is your brain. And this is your brain on Brax Oxen. Any questions? All right. I think that <laughs> aptly summarizes Nightmare of Eden. Uh, poach it. I thought we were going to do a little poaching uh, recipe next year. That's I what I, I should never, have done. I always wanted to know how to poach an egg. So. <laughs> that's what I should have done. I mean, uh, Rack Sox, it's kind of a slower burn. You just, you just kind of feel like you're dribbling out of an egg. Uh, okay. No, I'm ready. Let's do well, it. Let's do it. Well, they all have questions. So that's the thing. They have questions of what happened in Nightmare of Eden. And we're going to summarize that in two minutes because we allot uh, 30 seconds for every classic Who episode. And this one has four. So we are about to do it. You ready? Ready. Let's do it. Rock on. Here comes the official pull to open summary of Nightmare of Eden in three, two, one, go. Okay, so there's a, a, a tourist ship, a cruise ship, and it's going through space, and uh, the uh, navigator doesn't seem to be that concerned about stuff. He's, it's like he's on drugs or something. And But what's this? They've collided with another ship in the same hyperspace path. And uh, the Doctor lands on board, and uh, he and Romana start to investigate, because uh, the Doctor's all about interfering now. And he wants to discover why the two ships are joined in this weird sort of hyperspacey way, and there seems to be a layer between them that's blocking some of the corridors. Uh, sure. And uh, he, he goes in and the owner of the ships are arguing with each other about insurance. Um, and uh, the, the navigator is like clearly on drugs uh, because the doctor follows him and, and sees that he's been taking something called Frexoxin, uh, which is devastating. It could destroy whole communities. And uh, uh, and uh, the doctor Romano also discovered there's a scientist on board the ship, uh, Dr. Trist, who is, uh, he has this sort of uh, Carnival of Monsters type thing where it's like a miniscope, but like projects a live version of all these planets these visiting, trying to save all of the uh 
the stuff in there, but they little do they know that Dr. Trist is actually smuggling drugs. He's agreed to help smuggle some drugs <laughs> in in the uh, in the uh, specifically in Eden. And the stuff is mandrels are breaking out. Mandrels are actually the source of Vraxoxin. They they turn into this powder uh, when they die, and they're, they're breaking out onto the ship. But the Doctor and Romana dislocate the ship. Uh, they uh, after having gone into Eden yeah, to figure this out and found out the guy uh, who was in there who's on the Dr. Trist survey team isn't actually dead. He's a narc agent and he's been trying to trace this uh, this Vaxoxin ring and uh, so they they figured it all out. There's there's uh, cops come up. The the uh, the head of the, the cruise ship dies of, of Vraxoxin. Basically, uh, it it takes him as uh, its claw and and, uh, and yeah, and then everything's sorted out. And the Doctor Romana leave uh, after Doctor Trist is arrested. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I may have gotten things slightly out of order there, but I'm, I'm going to say that was the results of the Vrax Oxen. Uh, yeah, I think I you got it. a pretty good um, roundtable of the multiple ways to pronounce Vrax Owen. Vrax Owen. Oh, God. <laughs> That's okay. That's right, because heroin, heroin, Vrax Owen. So I, I will say I was I was a little confused by the the, the name of the drug throughout, which they, they also mm. refer to as Vrax, and K9 refers right. to as one point as XYP. Now, this is mm. the legacy of the original version of the script in which Vrax was was given a uh, a different title, which was Zip. Which is much more pronounceable, um, and yes, I wouldn't have recorded just an entire PSA with the wrong name for the drug. Uh, I would have said, "Yes, this is your brain on zip. It's much easier." But who who got in the way of that? That's right, that narc Lala Ward, who said that she thought that zip would sound too appealing to kids. Thanks, Lala. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? the kids. I mean, it's all for the kids, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Zip. Uh, it's for kids. Yeah, I mean, Brax. I mean, the thing is, Braxo and Brax. I think it would have been. It's it's kind of like you want to do something realistic in that most drugs get some kind of catchy nickname. Mm. Um, but I also see the sort of utility of simply abbreviating the drug you're talking about, so that the it's clear to viewers because honestly this one has a, so many similar names particularly with the characters going around like mm-hmm. i had to keep reminding myself like who's trist and who's fisk and the, there is one point at which the character named fisk says to the character named trist so calls him fisk like and it's still there in the <laughs> yeah in the edition of the show <laughs> like it's yeah, it's, it's so I, confusing that's a good sort of signal to sort of take a step back and sort of talk a little bit about the production of this episode, which Mm. was notorious even for the time. So apparently, you know, certainly Tom Baker had a reputation. He was sometimes fairly difficult, um, worked well with some people, didn't work well with others. And so a regular Mm. shoot for Doctor Who, I think, during this time, particularly sort of this is the waning years of Baker, um, was probably not not the, (laughs) the greatest experience in the first place right uh or not the smoothest the greatest you could argue just because there is a lot of genius work going on you think about working alongside people like tom baker and douglas adams and Mm. the the creative forces 
leveled at the show at this time. Obviously, there's there's a lot to be said for that. But that said, even among <clears throat> sort of the chaos of this era, like this one was particularly chaotic. And I think a lot yes. of it had to do with the director, as I understand it. Yes, the director was a guy of the old school, and and he and and Baker butted heads. Uh, Tom Baker, that is, uh, constantly on the set, and the director eventually walks off. But the shoot in general was so difficult, and it was so far away from what Bob Baker, sorry Bob, sorry for the Barker thing, uh, imagined. Uh, that that Douglas Adams himself said that he was going to quit after this. Uh, it was mm. it was known as the Nightmare of Television Center. They had T-shirts printed. The crew did saying Nightmare of Television Center when this right. was done. Uh, and yeah, and uh, Graham Williams, who was the the producer of the show, also said after this, like, "That's it. I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm quitting." Uh, so, you know, yeah. it, it, two of the finest minds to have produced Doctor Who, you know, people argue about Williams, but you definitely can't argue about Douglas Adams. Uh, and they were, they were pulled off it by just how bad, uh, the shoot at least of Nightmare of Eden was and how far away from the original, very serious bunch of ideas, this sort of unintentionally comic version was. Yeah. And the thing is, I think it's a, f- fine idea for a story. I, I think there's a lot of interesting things here and some some of them very kind of Douglas Adams-esque. I mean, you think about just the sort of innovation, the story innovation of the laser recorder thingy. I, I can't remember. There's like an abbreviation for the device where they sort of store these entire environments inside. Uh, it's almost like a miniscope, like, but it's not. Mm. So like in the miniscope in Carnival of Monsters, those are they explicitly say they're miniaturized version of, of these habitats and they sort of mentally adjust the people in them so that they keep going round and round in the same events. Whereas this is like, it's a different sort of technology, but the same idea. And you yeah. sort of have these recordings. It's more like, like kind of a holodeck, uh, I'd say it, or, you know, like in the, if you're familiar with the Star Trek uh, stories that, that use it, it's, hmm. it's a little like that, but it is also like, you can go into this virtual world. Maybe, maybe you know, the holodeck isn't quite right. It's it's the effect. It's like Tron. Yes, <laughs> like when when you get scanned in and now you're in this sort of virtual environment. Except the virtual environment looks exactly like the real world. It's it's holodeck ish. It's holodeck ish, yeah. and yes, it, it has. I mean, you're hitting on something here that I think is important to say that Nightmare of Eden had great potential and was ahead mm-hmm. of its time. In a in a lot of ways, one is that sort of hollow deckish kind of nature of this of this crystal that that uh, the planets mm. are stored in, exactly like a cup of soup. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you could say it looks forward as well as back. Uh, also, the but the, the ships colliding seems to be like the the biggest idea. They, you know, we we haven't seen, but this idea of ships colliding in hyperspace, that's a, a really yeah. neat idea. So he's trying to do that as well. He's kind of really trying to do too many things. And and then at the same really? time, he wants this to be the wire in space, uh, you know, years before <laughs> we actually had the wire. But that's basically what it is, right? You know, we've got we've got drug cops well, you know, who, who fewer are Fewer years before Miami Vice. And, <laughs> you know, we, you start at this point, we've already had like the French connection and this is the seventies. Mm. So of course, just drug culture and drug, not to culture, but like, you know, the, the idea of cops and robbers with, um, the consequence being whole communities ruined by drugs. If they get it wrong, yeah. um, that was definitely a sort of a, a narrative at the time. And that's, yeah. you know, honestly, some of the best scenes and the best moments in this story, I would argue are, 
really sort of turning the lens on that. And even mm. though it's exaggerated, like the effects of Praxoan are a little, almost a little too cartoony at times. Um, and certainly the mandrills themselves are a little bit cartoony. I don't think the, <laughs> the, the execution gives the weight of the drama and gives the seriousness to it that it really deserves. But for sure. I, credit for the ideas and and trying to go for kind of a mature storyline here. Yeah, indeed. I mean, we'll talk about the mandrills in a minute. They're sort of famous as a, as a Doctor Who monster that didn't uh, live up to expectations. Infamous, uh, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not the uh, scariest monster ever, as the Sun newspaper had it, uh, because there were no publicity photos. Oh my God, it must be terrifying. Uh, but let's talk about the drugs. <laughs> let's zero in on the drugs, because it's so front drugs? and center in this. Let's talk about the drugs, man. Um, uh, because, Frexo, and I mean, first of all, it's it's very like it's very pre-war on drugs. Yes, it is the seventies that things are getting gritty. Uh, but Bob Baker has just done this series called Target, um, which uh, was you know kind of the British uh, TV equivalent of like a, you know I guess a Miami Vice or you know a uh, you know dark gritty drug-based drama, right? And and he just so he just done some research on this. But it's very it's very war on drugs. It's very talking about the drugs and drugs in general. Mm. Right, as, as being a thing and not really thinking about the kind of thing that we think about now in relation to drugs, which is like, you know, alcohol is one of them, right? Uh, and that right. was definitely not a thing in the 70s. And to sort of have Tom Baker, who, love you, Tom, but, you know, kind of famously a little bit drunk for a lot of uh, a lot of Doctor Who recording, uh, d- does like his beer um, and uh, does like his wine. We've seen this on screen, you know. So to have him be the message bearer of like, get out, you sell drugs to kids. That all sort of, you know, the gravitas that he tries to bring to it. It's not perhaps the ideal, the ideal thing here. And 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 also, yeah, that we. I guess we just hadn't seen enough of the of the actual effects of of mm-hmm. how this would work because. Yeah, so so let's talk about the effects. So first of all, well, we see. The- I, I pushed back on the Baker thing just because I don't mm-hmm. think it's like his reputation with hardcore fans and sort of people looking in hindsight might be quite different from kids and folks who are casual viewers certainly at the time, mm-hmm. right? So he was, yeah, he's a bonkers doctor, but no, I don't think he was a well-known sort of drunkard. Um, certainly, maybe that's, maybe that's if you were true. really gossipy in, in gossipy circles, sure. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't mind having that, that kind message. of came out. <laughs> yeah, but I would, I would, I would say like, you kind of need to place yourself in time and space too, and sort of yeah. just more simplistic messages about drugs and drug use. Um, and I think the main message less about, um, the effect on individuals, even though that's here is more about that it's ruining whole communities and re- in this yeah. case, sort of whole planets. And that is definitely, um, that rings very true. It, it it's just unfortunate, you know. We know what resulted in the war on drugs. We know about the millions who were incarcerated for for selling, you know, tiny amounts of weed, for example. Uh, still incarcerated for it, you know. All the consequence of the sort of the, the moral panic over drugs, all of drugs, lumping them all together. And right, and but I mean, we've also the, seen recently, like the the problems with the taking a reversal stance, where you get sort of these open air drug markets in various cities. And, you know, there's definitely issues with being too permissive as well. Right. So I think I don't, you know, again, I don't have the right answer. If I did, I'd probably work in that field, but it is like, um, 
at the time it was it was you know like something needs to be done and sort of turning mm. to authority figures was kind of the thing you did i think you could definitely there's potential to tell a more sophisticated story with a little more um mm. of showing both sides i don't think you necessarily yeah. have to both sides it per se from a moral level but um i think yeah to your point of like yeah it's it, the resolution is a little too simplistic yeah and there's too much going on, right? To to really focus, mm. pro- give the give the drug the focus that it needs. And a lot of uh, you know reviews of the, of Nightmare of Eden have pointed out, like, well, well, hang on, what we're told about Vrax is that you get hyper addicted to it, and then mm. then it kills you. Like, we're not told the mechanism by which it kills you, but like, you'd have to be super. Mm. You're not going to take it recreationally. You'd be super desperate to be on it you know, uh, super desperate to kill your pain, which none of the people taking it we see are. I mean, they just sort of act a bit drunk, basically. We have Seca, who's, uh, I guess, is the navigator. Uh, and then we have Rig, who's the captain, who's accidentally right. given Vrex. Well, no, and they basically accidentally just... Is, it's, he's deliberately given it, but he doesn't choose to get it, right? He was He's basically sabotaged. And you think yes. about, like, if if what they say about this drug is true, like... That's just a horrific thing to do to somebody, like get them sort of inadvertently addicted to this thing. And then either they die or I don't know, I guess you could maybe make the case they go through some kind of horrific withdrawal. Um, But I was reminded from that, I was actually reminded of Spider-Man 2099, um, which I think most people are only familiar with it from the latest Spider-Man movie, like Across the Spider-Verse. But that's actually how he becomes Spider-Man 2099. He is given this future drug that is is actually remarkably similar to the Raxoan sounds like because only rich people take it because it gives this this great high but it's so expensive and you you can never get off it mm-hmm. that's sort of the price you pay and so he doesn't want to be beholden to the company that makes this drug so he actually modifies his own genetic code to do it but then something goes wrong he ends up modifying it with like Peter Parker's genes or something and then mm-hmm. he becomes Spider-Man. It's a great little story. I mean, I strongly awesome. recommend Spider-Man 2099. Uh, but yeah, it's it. uh, like the idea of, any, like to your point, any drug that you can't get off of, who who in their, I mean, again, I would say in their mm-hmm. right minds, and maybe you're probably not in your right mind if you're thinking it, so fair enough. But it, it, but the doctor it, said he's seen whole planets yeah. fall victim to this, so you just need a little bit extra well, to sort of explain and the also, logic. Also, Trist says everybody who took it had a choice. Which is like, mm. if you did have a choice, I don't know why you would ever choose to take this thing. It sounds like it's a death sentence. Yeah, exactly. And especially as it's just all it's inducing is you just don't care about stuff, which you can get the same right. effect by just having a few beers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the odd thing. It's like the, the only effect that we see is that they just kind of look drunk on the job. The captain's just like laughing about how, he's, how his crew is, you know, his, uh, his passengers are getting eaten, uh, which, by the way, is a very sort of kind of meta moment of mm-hmm. the captain looking at the mandrels on the screen eating his passengers. And, yeah. uh, you know, A, saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter that it's economy. Um, <laughs> but also <laughs> kind of doing what we're doing with the mandrels at that point, which is laughing at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, doing exactly what the viewers would have been doing. Uh, so let's talk about the monsters, right? Because this sure. is sort of this is the number one exhibit for why you, you know, you would uh, have you would see this in Alien and Aliens and that whole series going forward. 
this is why you put your creature in the dark, people. This is why you put them mm -hmm. in dark corridors, not light corridors. Because in the dark, the mantles actually do look pretty scary. Because you see their, yeah. their glowing green eyes. Uh, you don't see that they're wearing flared trousers. Um, you yeah. know, you don't see how kind of shambling of... about. Yeah. 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 And kind and then in the, in the corridors that they're, they're giving it this, they've got like furry Muppet arms. They they just yeah. kind of look cute, and and it, they look yes. like a bunch of mascots. For the, <laughs> you know what I mean? I I feel like this is people backs in, in inside a sports stadium, sort of backstage, if you will. You know, guiding the mascots to their you know dance number on the field for whatever football team. <laughs> That that that's what that felt like to me, you know. It just, I love it. Just it looks so goofy. I love yeah. it. I love it. You could just retroactively write that in. By the way, there there was a 2021 edition of this, I believe, for the for the Blu-ray that, that's upgraded a lot of the effects. Um, and mm. uh, but it does not upgrade the mandrels. But you could, like, if there was this new who, you could have an explanation like that, right? Of like either the the crystals stored them at a, like a low res, so mm -hmm. this is sort of the equivalent of them being pixelated. Uh, right. Or it's like these aren't actually mandrels; they're, they're ersatz mandrels. They're, you know, they're they're uh, high school mascots. There's something else, <laughs> <laughs> just like the real creature is actually scarier. And you only see it in the scenes on Eden, which would be yeah. fine because you don't get any wrecks on the ship when anyone kills mandrels there. Right? Yeah, weird. that's what I didn't really get. Um, I don't. I think arguably they were just stunned because they're. There is a bit, which I think is intentional, where the doctor says, don't worry, that thing's totally dead. And Romana yeah. steps over it. And <laughs> you can right. see it When breathing. she could have walked around. She could have walked yeah. around so easily. And she has to do a jump over it. Oh, poor, poor Lala Ward. But it's funny, it's funny, one of these sort of moments in Doctor Who where you actually literally see the thing breathing, even though she's walking over it. And the doctor just said it's dead. And you're kind of in your head, you think, oh, guess, yeah, it's it's Doctor Who. So I guess they were just, D didn't care that it didn't match the dialogue, but no, that seemed that was apparently intentional. I mean, I'm just inferring that from what happens later because it, then it recovers and then it dies and then it turns to Rax Owen. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember if any other mandrels actually get killed after that. I think yeah. they do. Um, yeah. but yeah, but certainly and I also they're not, they're not turning to Rax. So maybe they only do that when they're odd needing it and it's a reaction with the atmosphere. That would make sense. I guess. Well, but no, but that thing, the the one that broke down was in the 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 ship that was in the oh, power. Oh, it was room, okay. Power unit. Oh god. So yeah, no, it doesn't quite work. <laughs> but the yeah, I mean, I mean, the mandrels. I mean, it's a problem, and I, it's funny. It's a coincidence that I ended up watching um, the movie Prometheus, which, if mm. anyone remembers, is kind of an alien prequel. Uh, mm -hmm. on this sort of same weekend I finished off Nightmare of Eden and the, the there like again I wouldn't say that's the absolute best monster slash creature effects but the idea of being able to do that idea of real fear and peril and these really alien things uh, and again you don't have to go full-on gross out in the way that sort of rated our sci-fi horror movies do but the fact that the mandrels just sort of hug people to death apparently and there's there's nothing even really that implied i mean yes they sort of kill passengers or whatever but you don't really see much like in other words or, or rather you do see a lot and you see them they're just kind of hugging people and they fall down um it would be better to at least 
like imply something more horrific, right? Has just mm. happened. And whether even yeah. you can achieve that a lot with pans, right? Just pan up with some screaming. Uh, you know, Sam Raimi is is was perfect at this. And and the reason I would sort of bring up Sam Raimi is like, well, this is sort of, I think, an indication of the director um controversy being an even more serious problem. Now, not that Adam Bra- Allen, I think it's Alan Bromley, Alan Bromley, Alan. if he had finished it off, it, I don't think it would have been alien or Prometheus, but I do mm. can I can you can tell in the last couple of episodes, and apparently they did this more or less in sequence, that the the director is really suffering there. Like they're the and what passes for action is mm. like there's there's pauses when K9 comes in to shoot something. People oh, yeah. just kind of stand there and wait for him to sort of shoot or get the cue to fall down. And it's like, I mean, classic Doctor Who is already, you know, like you, you're already correcting for it. And there you're just kind mm. of like a little confused. Like, is there going to be a twist? Is something going to happen? It's like, no, no, they just, it was just really, really, really sloppy. It was, and the yeah, the the uh, editing choices are weird, and just yes, it's it's definitely partly the fault of the director walking off set. But to be fair to him, uh, you know, he he did do Doctor Who previously. It was done different, you know. He it was wanted to do, um, and so yeah, he was dealing with a prima donna. Give you an idea of what uh, Baker and, and where he was at at this point. He was. Uh, he and Lala Ward, because you know they were an item at this point, and she she's in on it. Uh, they they both suggested to the director that he do an ad lib where they find an apple in Eden and and look at it and say something like, "Well, better better not eat this. Remember what what happened with the first apple in Eden, or something like that." Like right. some clunker of an ad lib that Tom Baker just wants to throw in because he's the star. Uh, I mean, it's bad enough that he did that overdubbed line, which is sort of now famous, infamous in a lot of fan circles, where he gets dragged off at the end by the Madrils. And what is it? It's like, my fingers, my arms, my legs. Well, it's it's the my everything that really gets you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I mean, Tom, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. You would say that you might think that a lot of these comedy elements come from Douglas Adams. Um, but no, it was a lot of it was just unintentional. It was just the cheapness of the like the weird suits that the passengers afford to forced to wear with sunglasses. That was bizarre. Um but uh Adams was yeah. uh, like he he was the driving force behind wanting to make make like a serious, you know, something let's do let's tackle drugs, let's tackle an adult theme. He was totally into mm-hmm. it uh when he heard about the idea from Bob Baker. And and part of the reason that he quit was like, you know, I realized that like there's just no working against the system here. There's no money. And besides, he was becoming, you know, increasingly yeah. involved in hitchhikers that was coming along. So I got to yeah. say, uh, two things I've not seen written about anywhere. Because I am such a Douglas Adams fan, I can see two very big influences from Nightmare in Eden on Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. One of them is the comedy cops. Uh, uh, the, yeah. the two cops who I think in the TV version of Hitchhikers are wearing exactly the same like sparkly black outfits as these guys. Mm. And their whole catchphrase is, it isn't easy being a cop which is sort of like almost a parody of these guys who, you know, 
written to be like slightly human and slightly, you know, they're not doing things by the books and they're shooting criminals without trial and like it just well you know so. i feel like their first scene i like i like fisk and costa's characters which mm-hmm. are the the names of the cops that come in mm-hmm. and i think their first scene sort of really underscores who they are and what point the script is making about them there's these and tom baker the doctor rather it says it later uh in the next scene or something that they're just bureaucrats which is dead on that's exactly how they're portrayed and mm-hmm. they're just there to sort of come in and either get people to follow the rules or make up rules so that they're in charge and they uh, just want to sort of get their collar in a sense. Like right away, it's like, oh, Mm. the doctor has some traces of this. We don't know who these people are. They're obviously the bad guys, which happens a lot in Doctor Who, but it is like they clearly Mm. have a vested interest in this. And then there's even the bit later where Fisk is talking about how they're going to get promoted and they're, they're working the system. You know, there's a, there's every character here is either cynical or the script is cynical about them. And I think there was even right. more to be made of that here if they had, had bothered because there's no one, no one's really that heroic other than, you know, yeah. our heroes, the Dr. Romana and K9. That's the thing. It's actually, you could do this. You could take this shot for shot and just make like a very, very dark and gritty uh, version. But the fact that the costume department has dressed them up in like sparkly black cop outfits. (laughs) (laughs) What are you even doing here? Like, they're just ridiculous. I, I, you know, today, if you were remaking that and they, they were about to shoot the doctor for suspecting of being criminal, I would love to see a scene where they just tear off their little star cop badges, tear off the name. It's the <laughs> one thing you never want to see a cop do. Take off his badge. Um, mm. Yeah, something like that would be good. To close the loop on Douglas Adams, the other thing I noticed, the passengers. So we have mm. the scene of the doctor chasing uh, the guy who turns out to be the, the narc agent. Uh, dressed as a passenger through all these passenger compartments, gets stopped by a woman, gives her a jelly baby, um, mm-hmm. and says, "Don't forget to brush your teeth." <laughs> Remember, kids, this is definitely a very special episode. <laughs> um, but that—that, that, to my mind, that really, really must have triggered Adams to think about the thing that happens in the second series of the Hitchhikers uh, radio series where they get on this Starliner that's been docked, uh, Ford and, and Zaphod get on a Starliner that's been docked on the planet Brontotor for thousands of years because it's awaiting delivery of lemon-soaked paper napkins. Uh, so there'll be a short delay. <laughs> so the crew is all, the, uh, the, the passengers are all in suspended animation, <laughs> waiting for the lemon-soaked paper napkins <laughs> to arrive and occasionally get woken up for, for tea and biscuits. And there's a mad rush and, and they're chasing them through uh, through segment after segment of the ship. So that must have been on his mind uh, around about the same time when he was writing the Hitchhiker's radio series. So yeah, this, I feel, influenced Doug a- Douglas Adams more than <laughs> Douglas Adams influenced this. And he clearly influenced this a lot. Like there are a lot of funny lines yeah. that are very Adams. Yeah, there, there's there's definitely some decent moments of comedy. Um, one that I think is sort of people are split on is when Romana asks for a screwdriver. <laughs> when they have yeah. to reassemble that thing in like three minutes. Um, by the way, this is like loaded with techno babble. Like this, mm. like my techno babble meter was going like off the charts oh my on God. the various things they end up talking about. Um, they deserve Oscars for making it through those techno babble scenes. My goodness. Yeah, let me um, like. There's there's a bunch of them. So it's like. <laughs> 
here we go. There's the, the CET machine has a spatial integrator, a transmutation oscillator, <laughs> yes. uh, hologistic retention circuit, and a dimensional osmosis damper. Like you, you can see almost the sort of spin the wheel nature of this, right? Like let's just yeah. put a bunch of um, words together adjectives and nouns and like you know that like i someone must have done a doctor who technobobble website if they haven't please do I, yes i think it was uh comes out i think it was toby hidoke who said that uh bob baker's uh you know uh, and dave martin like they so many of their scripts are people in spaceships aggressively pushing buttons at each other <laughs> uh do i think it's just a great example of what's going on here like, there's so much talk around the buttons and there's one point where it does work and that's where the Doctor and Romana are trying to offhandedly tell Dr. Trist that he just doesn't have a clue what he's doing with this machine. Where, right. you know, they, they say, oh, have you thought of this? Have you got this? Have you got? Have you installed this? Wait, you haven't done this? You haven't dampened your dimensions? Like this thing is going to blow, <laughs> you know? So it works yeah. there, but to also have it in every other scene where you're talking about the damn thing, yeah, it's techno babble too far. Yeah. But, can it, but on the... Lines that really work, though, I really love the bit where the doctor has tried to do some bad cover story about, like, I'm with the Galactic Insurance Corporation, and the captain's yes. like, they went out of business 20 years ago. And he's like, oh, I was wondering why I hadn't been paid. You know, <laughs> you can see that sort of a, just appearing in a friend script or something. Like, yes, it's a pretty good line. That's very Douglas Adams. And then the next, he keeps it going in the next line. Uh, the captain says something like, it's intolerable. And the doctor says, well, that's what I told them. Uh, it's like he's just he knows that he's yeah. he knows that the captain knows but he's keeping it going he's clinging to his cover story i love it yeah he gets, he gets good mileage out of it and you alluded to the other line later where the doctor is like you know he says of course we should interfere always do what you're good at which yes. <laughs> is like okay we're a long way away from never interfere unless there's a crying child uh he's just interfering or, because it's fun which is another yeah. word that he uses here to describe what he does yeah you can't keep, quite put you know if you flip this with the scene in the aztecs where he's telling barbara not to change one damn thing um yep. yeah <laughs> quite a quite a quite an evolution here uh with the show and the character that's for sure how how fallen right. far you fallen, Doctor? Yes, and and of course, surely you shouldn't interfere in the uh, Vraxoan trade, really. Uh, hmm. You shouldn't uh, help them uh, get. So you you should uh, allow Triss to just uh, go on and uh, as he would, and not not clean up the drama. Let's talk about Trist, by the way, uh, because not only does he uh, does he appear to have stolen Mister Fibuli's glasses from the pirate planet <laughs> right but also uh, lewis fyander is the name of the actor he's an australian actor which makes his comedy accent even more strange uh which is just off the charts as comedy accent it's sort of german but it's sort of like someone who's never heard a german accent doing a german accent based on someone else's comedy german accent uh, mm. And there's one point where he says to like where Romana is like talking about the the machine in a lot of techno babble, and he looks at her and says, "You claim superior knowledge." <laughs> 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 I can't even say with a straight face. Well, superior it's knowledge. Future German. It's future German. <laughs> it's it's hard to place. Space German. Space German. Yes, absolutely. Well, I gotta but say why? 
Well, I don't mind why. I just like that it's memorable. I, I like Trist. I like the performance um, and the choice of the glasses. I also feel like he's so quirky and weird and seems to have a scientific mind. I think we're trained a little bit as Doctor Who viewers to sort of, hmm. if not trust him, kind of like him a bit. And the fact that there's this twist that he is the guy who, uh, well, it, it partnering with the other dude on the ship, who is the bad guy, who's um, smuggling the drugs and doesn't really care so much about the consequences of that. Um, that That's kind of good. And I, I also leads up to that. I think one of the best scenes is his pleading with the doctor, which mm-hmm. I like also that acknowledging the doctor is sort of the authority figure here and the one to appeal to um, like, Hey, I, you understand I was just doing this to advance scientific mm-hmm. knowledge. Right. Like, and like I, I was, I was, you get it right. Like, <laughs> like, and, and the doctors just doesn't even look at him and it's just, yeah. just something just says- would do to everyone. But he, he just, like, he just go says, away. go away, and yeah. which is a yeah, nice again, line yeah. and an example of, of Baker's ad-libs can actually sometimes improve the show because he was supposed to say something like, you know, shut up before you make me angry, uh, mm. which doesn't feel very doctorish and go away does, does do that. Uh, that's a lot better. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. What else can we say about this thing? Oh, let me, well, uh, yeah. Let me let me talk briefly about my my uh, new segment that I'd, I'd like to call the Brit Boxer Rebellion, um, <laughs> where I, I talk about the fact that I've not paid for a Brit Box uh, subscription for uh, lo these many classic Who stories. You have to because... call it the streaming service that will not be named uh, segment <laughs> because every time you say Brit Box, someone thinks about hey, should I subscribe to Brit Box? Hey, <laughs> talk to us, Brit Box. Talk to us. Um, yeah, so I found this in the most surprising place, and that is the Internet Archive, uh, which is previously I found Seeds of Death, the colorized version uh, on Internet Archive. There's not only a uh, regular version of this, but also the movie-length version of uh, Nightmare of Eden is mm-hmm. also on Internet Archive, uh, which is weird because you can't even get a torrent of it. Not Not that I would check such things. I'm a fine, upstanding citizen who doesn't torrent things, but... Uh, if I were, that's what I would have found. Um, but it is the, it's right there on the Internet Archive, and you can download it. You can have Nightmare of Eden right now. Uh, take it, you know, stick it on the screen, have a have a Braxoan party with your best friends, uh, and, yeah, this would be the pers- perfect background. Wow, nice. So if you were ever questioning, could, the, could Nightmare in Eden get in a format where it might actually be worth watching again? Um, that's, that question's been answered, but we have some other questions we must answer, which of course are the four questions to doomsday. First question. Why did the randomizer take us here? Why indeed. So I've got a very tenuous connection here, which is that, uh, we were last at the three doctors which okay. was around the 10th anniversary. That was, Eden, that was a trip. That <laughs> was a trip. This, on those this is pretty man. trippy. Even more direct connection. It was at the 15th anniversary party uh, in 1978 hmm. that Bob Baker first pitched the story that became Nightmare of Eden. 
So there Ooh. is an anniversary connection because, yeah, uh, Graham Williams was there. The producer was there at that party. Bob Baker's talking about this idea that he has. That's how it got started. So from the 10th to the 15th, uh, and then I, I believe this was broadcast, broadcast something closer to the 18th uh, anniversary. <laughs> it was uh, late November in uh, in the year that it was shown, which is, I believe, 79. Is that correct? Um, hmm. so yeah, six sixteenth. that would be 16th birthday. So there's a lot of birthdayness, surprisingly, <laughs> to Nightmare of Eden, uh, as well as the random, well, I just knew, knew I'd be here, knew this is the perfect backdrop. Very nice. Yeah. I basically have already kind of spoiled my connection, which is that I think the randomizer is taking us a tour on a tour of Doctor Who Adventures with infamous monsters. So mm. we were there at the three doctors where those gel creatures were, um, <laughs> shall we say creative? Um, yes. but the kind of like kind of nothing burgers that sort of waddled along and you kind of really had to fill in the blanks a bit on what they were and what they were doing to really get any sort of appreciation for whatever threat they posed. Whereas here, yeah, the mandrels mm. even take, take it one more step down, uh, by, <laughs> with their sort of mascot esque shambling around the brightly lit decks of the cruise liner um so you know yeah, what else if, if omega if we're being told that omega was on Vrax owen uh, that would explain a lot uh, well i'm just you know thank our lucky stars we've already done androids of tara otherwise the the tara beast would probably have been next in our in our zone but uh you know yes. we'll see what the randomizer serves up next if it yeah. wants to go for a trifecta here Yes, indeed. Maybe the, There's one maybe more the wet thing. planet? Maybe. <laughs> maybe like Zarbi? I don't know. We'll I see. Don't know. Well, Some people uh, like the Zarbi, uh, one, th- one thing I, I, I will say um, about uh, coming to Nightmare in Eden, uh, oh my goodness, it just completely fled from my head. <laughs> so, uh, But yeah, the, the connection uh, from, from all of this stuff, the, the CGI uh, edition in Day of the Daleks we've been to recently... Oh, yeah. You know, now also like it's it's showing us like the 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 much improved special effects tour of classic Who. So so that's yeah, one it's thing. funny. Did you see the the better effects with the ships? I Have did. Yes, that's the version on the yeah. Internet Archive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a thing. I'm glad you pointed that out because we didn't talk about it. And this was actually when they made it the first time they used video instead of film for those kind of spaceship effects. So normally they would do it on film. It would take a long time, but the results mm-hmm. would look kind of okay here. They did video. It didn't take as long. They only had it for like a few hours and or it only took them a few hours, but a, you know, the designer gave a long interview where he said, yeah, he thought the results were absolute crap. And I tend to have to agree with them. I, you, it's really unclear what happens with the two ships in the original version and only through dialogue later do you realize, oh, this is interesting. There's like a weird hyperspace collision that happens. So they're not, the ships aren't broken. They're just kind of stuck together in a weird way with interfaces. Again, another great idea. Just too bad it mm-hmm. wasn't really executed all that well, certainly with the, the spaceship effects. 
Indeed. Uh, I'm going to say one more one more possible reason why the randomizer took us here, by the way. it uh, The Doctor does use the TARDIS, does try to use the TARDIS to separate the ships and does one mm. of those one of those moments where he pulls out a long thing on a on a wire on a cable connected to the TARDIS, and K nine says you only have sixty percent chance of success, um, and it doesn't work. But the, the randomizer does love those moments of like using the TARDIS during an adventure, which this mm-hmm. just about has. Mm. Alrighty, moving yeah. on to the second question, which is: What if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, so I think we have to assume it is, well, obviously it's Trist. And who's the other guy again? Mm-hmm. The, the, the dude in the other ship who was working with him? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, that guy. Diamond. Uh, diamonds, okay. that's right. <laughs> we were talking about sapphire and steel uh, with uh, <laughs> uh, in, Trist in and the, Diamond. Uh, the Human Nature Project. Trist and Diamonds. Yes, the the big finish spinoff nobody asked for. Trist Diamond. <laughs> um, yes, they got yeah. They really look like a couple of I don't know. I, what do they look like when they're kind of working together? Like I feel like they're just like tech bros who just got together and <laughs> you know we've just IPO'd or something and let's get out of here uh, and go party. Uh, very probably very more ICOs. Come to think of it. Very yeah. apt comparison, considering what Silicon Valley will do for funding. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, like Trist, would would fund a massive operation of drug smuggling. So uh, what happens that in the story cash. is through a bunch of technobabble, the doctor somehow traps them by essentially dematerializing them and then materializing them out of hyperspace into the laser crystal machine. So they're trapped there and then um, they can be arrested. So I guess for the evil plot to succeed, you have to assume that doesn't work, and they just right. get away. That's a little they boring. Just get though. away. Like, I mean, here's here's the thing that I'm I'm glad you you you're sort of bring up the the cops and the the bigger picture of what's happening here. Don't forget this: these ships are interlocked, floating above the planet Azure, mm-hmm. uh, right. which presumably has more than two cops. Uh, <laughs> presumably also you would send more than the drug squad and and in fact the interlocking right. of ships might be a bigger problem and it's sort of weird you know if you, if you imagine yeah. like there were two uh, you know international space stations and uh, we looked up one day in the heavens and saw that they fused i don't think your first call as president of the united states or you know world leaders would call the dea uh <laughs> <laughs> Let's go raid that, that weird fused ship for drugs because that's what we need up here. You'd think you might have a more vigorous uh, reaction about the actual humanitarian catastrophe of these two ships. Yeah, you got to send up the space firefighters with the space jaws of life. And <laughs> exactly. Or space Bruce things. Willis. Bruce Willis and Armageddon to go and blow the hole between the two ships or something. Yeah. So you yeah, gotta figure that no. that would be coming eventually, <laughs> and uh, well, maybe maybe they don't get too far away. Yeah, true, but they're in hyperspace, right? So presumably, it's mm. easier to sort of evade people when you're using that technology. Um, I think to make it less boring, you might assume the mandrels um, are more successful at killing everybody, and they sort of mm. run out. But I guess I don't know what happens. They round them up. They want them rounded up because they want to take them 
with their machine back to well back to wherever they're gonna they, they want the mandrels for the Vrax Owen, right? I don't know. Like maybe mm. I am not really <laughs> fully up to speed on what happens here at the end. Because they have the machine, well, the laser crystal thing, but they've taken it onto yes. their machine and onto their ship. What happened again? Give me refresh my memory. Yeah, I'm not entirely clear myself. And I've not only watched the the uh that episode, but I also I listened as I was driving around Costa Rica, to the novelization, uh, the Terrence Dix novelization, uh, read by Dan Starkey. Not the thing I imagine I'd be listening to on holiday, but there you go. Uh, and it's not entirely clear what happens at the end there. It's, it's all a bit confusing. One of their ships... Because they, they have equipment the, on Diamond Ship, right? That is... Yeah. That's how sort of they steal the contents of the laser crystal thing, I guess. And so yeah. the machine is still on the cruise liner, and the doctor gets Romana to fix it so that they can actually essentially beam everything back, including the, the ship itself. So I think, Mm. I think that's kind of what happens. And then, and it sort of almost works, you know, you kind of just go with it, but you're kind of a little bit like, like we are now, like, okay, I guess something happened. You're not, you're not quite with it. I mean, here's the thing is, this is the tragedy of Nightmare of Eden. It's such a brilliant idea to do drug smuggling within you know, a, a planet on a crystal. Like that is, mm-hmm. talk about being a mule. That is an extraordinary uh-huh. length to go to, to, to smuggle drugs. Right. Um, and, but also like that's, you could believe it. That's what would be, would happen in, in a galactic economy. You know, there are economic incentives for this kind of behavior. If you have some sort of holographic device, uh, you know, just hide the drugs inside a world, inside a holographic device. It's brilliant, brilliant idea that is almost entirely overlooked here because it's there are too many ideas. It's so confusing as to exactly what's happening at any given moment. Gotcha. Well, I guess if the evil plot succeeds, we don't know. <laughs> I think we're just going to yeah, go we... back to the original version. They get away. Yeah, um, they get away. Fraxo is spread far and wide, and Dr. Trist completes his research and gets a galactic Nobel. Oh my goodness. Well, and which galaxy? That's know. not the question, but <laughs> we need to answer at least a couple more questions. And the next one is, where is the Clara Splinter? Clara Oswald, of course, splintered in time at the end of the name of the Doctor. She is somewhere in every single Doctor Who story. Where is she in Nightmare of Eden? Well, well, there are so many <laughs> plot holes uh-huh. that Clara could clean up here. She could perhaps be uh, a real Pied Piper, and in, instead of the, the Doctor's really bad dog whistle, like she could mm. be broadcasting an actual uh, tune that, that the mandrels respond to. Uh, mm. So just like a random dog whistle that the Doctor has. Um, I also think that maybe... The Doctor hasn't really seen that many planets devastated by Vraxoan because you'd think we would have heard it before now. So I think Clara is actually a uh, producer of an anti-drug segment uh, of of a PSA (laughs) that the Doctor was watching on whatever hyperspace channel he's tuning into lately, uh, where it just shows all the devastation, Vraxoan communities, the Doctors. So he's prepared to know about this drug and how horrible it is and how he must stop it in its tracks. I think she's doing that PSA you did at the beginning, but instead of cracking the egg, 
she throws it up and disintegrates it. Just, <laughs> and just like any questions, and I could totally see her in her uh, in her posh accent. Any questions? Any um, questions? <laughs> here's the thing: I could be mean and say. Clara in this timeline broke up with Stott before his expedition. Mm. And that's why he is so wooden and can only speak lines in a monotone and really has no emotional delivery whatsoever. He puts his hands on his hips um, like this. He's Long basically just an exposition today. machine. He's the, basically the most unmemorable guest star uh, in Doctor Who history, potentially, or at least a mm. contender. But I won't do that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm going to assume she's a passenger and she's good at locking doors to keep the mandrels mm. from killing too many people. So she's done her best to just sort of contain the mandrel threat to um, what, that one economy deck we have, but they didn't weren't able to spread uh, beyond Ooh. that. So yeah. maybe maybe she is spraying all but one mandrel with this sort of antifungal spray that prevents them from turning into Vrax when they die. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be bad if there was just Vraxoan all over the ship. That would be. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. Speaking of communities getting ruined by it. Um, okay. So a few possibilities there. Um, and it's time now, folks. It's time to move on to the final question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for Nightmare of Eden. What did we think of this story? The Pulte Open rating system has six ratings. There's the Dalek, which we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which we give to a bad episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, which we give to a bad episode of Doctor Who, but hey, at least they tried something. The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. The Fixed Point in Time, where it is a story beyond rating, sometimes for reasons of nostalgia, but occasionally for other reasons. And the Lady Cassandra, which is a paper-thin plot story that looks good, uh, especially with a little moisturizing. (laughs) So what do we say about Nightmare of Eden? All right, so part of me was tempted to go with a fixed point in time because hmm. I do I remember a lot of of season 17 from watching it. Like season, I said this before the show, season 18 was where I really started watching week to week. Um ironically, as a lot of people stopped, uh season 18 had terrible ratings. Uh season 17 I remember quite a lot of and I definitely remember the ship. I don't remember the mandrels. Don't definitely don't remember being scared by them. I remember the ship, like they were beautifully lit, uh, kind of very beige seventies kind of lighting. Uh, really, really kind of. I, I believed it as as a kid. I I just I had no idea what was going on, but it was fantastic. It was the Doctor running around the ship, and it just everything looked futuristic. So it's almost fixed point in time. I don't think that it lodged in my heart enough, in my memory enough, for that to happen. So I'm going to give it a hybrid, mm. uh, which is We're something hybrid, we often do. We've had a lot of hybrids, and I think I've 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 thought long and hard about this one exactly what what kind of hybrid it is. I think it is half Professor Hater because they okay. they tried something. Bob Baker was was trying for you know like the heavy hitting drugs narrative, and it's half Lady Cassandra because it does just mm. look so 
trippy and kind of it's got all those 70s colors everywhere <laughs> the sets may be cheap and cheerful but they're good looking the jungle on eden looks pr- really amazing and then you've got those mm, trippy yeah. effects where the doctor goes through the barrier and he's kind of juddering and these wonderful old school film effects that really really hold up like a lot of the, yes the model special effects don't uh, that's why they had to update them but like the the doctor going between the ships uh that really oh, yeah that, that looks was okay. good, right. right? That would especially yeah. the, the cliffhanger to episode three. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. So and and when they yeah. jump into Eden cliffhanger episode two, that's wonderful. So yeah, I'm going to say hybrid hater and Cassandra. Wow. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. I'm tempted. Was very tempted to give this an Ogron. Uh, was not really an enjoyable watch for me. My whole family sort of pieced out. Um, and I don't blame them. And I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, color their impression of this era and, and Tom Baker was something they didn't enjoy. Nice. Um, yeah. so, and I, I you know, frankly, I was just kind of annoyed with a lot of the performances and stuff, like, especially like I mentioned Stott, but I do feel like you, you definitely feel it, especially towards the end that everyone just wants this to be over. And it's like, let's just get this freaking scene done and get it in the can. We really don't care what it is. So mm-hmm. I think that's very much Ogron territory. But again, like I do remember this episode as a kid. I do remember sort of the ideas here. I think the ideas are great. Like I, I really wish they'd sort of done even more with the laser crystal thing. Um, the hyperspace collision. I actually didn't mind, even though the effect doesn't work and that it suffers, um, the script suffers because of it. Um, I, I don't didn't mind that it had to be explained because the explanation was so cool. Uh, I was it sort of made me stand up and pay attention. So I I'm I'm not going to do a hybrid. I'm just going to say you narrowly escaped the Ogron and you're a professor hater. Nightmare of Eden. Mm. That's what you are. You did try something uh, as bad as the execution was. I would would not mind revisiting this material with. Um, perhaps more modern sensibilities of what the war on drugs has done and uh, trying again, maybe not with Rex Owen, but with um, some other um, storyline. Let's do that. Yeah. Bring traffic for Dr. Yes. That'd be okay. Yeah. Bring back zip justice. For zip. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's, let's definitely do a modern version of this RTD. If you're listening, uh, definitely some great ideas to pick out here as Douglas Adams already did. So yeah, that's it. It's a three quarters hater, uh, one quarter Cassandra. I think that is, I think we nailed it. I think that is the perfect judgment, uh, on nightmare of Eden. And I'm so glad Pete that the nightmare is over. (laughs) We've woken up. (laughs) It's not for you though. Listener. Don't forget, go right to Spotify right now. If you're listening on that app, or if you're not create a burner account and, and go to Spotify. So you can vote in our poll and poll to open for nightmare of Eden. Is it a Dalek in your book? Is it a professor hater? Is it an Ogron? We want to know. And so do future listeners of this podcast when we will talk about those results. So please go ahead, vote now, vote often. And in the meantime, Chris and I will separate our ship from Nightmare of Eden and see where we can shoot off into hyperspace next uh, when we activate the randomizer. Yes, little does Pete know. I've got my pockets full of Rexone. I've got a a mandrel on my back uh, and uh, we're escaping with it. 
But yes, we use the randomizer. We use two components. Pete has a codex that's a list of all Doctor Who stories in sequential order. Uh, I have the executor made by random.org, which uses true random number generators. Atoms bouncing around the atmosphere. Bits of Raxoin in the atmosphere of Eden. Whatever it is on your home planet, that's what it's looking for. Just randomly generated interaction of particles. Um, because computer-generated randomness is rubbish. Even inside space crystals, they just can't do it. Uh, so, Pete, how many stories... <laughs> Given that we should probably technically add the Star Beast to our list, you to know, our you're right. I'm just realizing. <laughs> yep. So, taking into account that by the time people hear this, the yes. Star Beast will be officially part of the Codex. We now yeah. have 199. Woohoo! Uh, again. <laughs> again. That's so, right. Because last time it was 199. Um,. But now, uh, yeah, Starbeast has, has kept us at that level. We are holding steady. If we get um, another 199, I don't know what that means. I guess we have to record our our brief hit, and then we also have to record in our future. The next edition will be the Starbeast. But, you know, there's only a 1 in 199 chance of that happening. So, you know, what are the odds? 1 in 199. Yeah. Uh, but we do like to issue challenges to the Radmizer. Pete, what you got this week? Good monsters. We had some bad monsters. We had a string of bad mm. monsters, um, although they were nicely upgraded in Day of the Daleks. Um, but I would even argue, like, Family of Blood, uh, even though dramatically they were off the charts. Visually, and I said this at the time, yeah, it was kind of interesting that they were these green globes. But, you know, they're not they're not monstery, if you know what I mean. Definitely yeah. sinister, yeah. definitely menacing, but, like, you know, not quite monstery. So, like, let's have some sort of interesting monsters. Let's do it. Doesn't have to be Prometheus level, but let's uh, let's have something cool. All right, good monsters. All right, well, I'm I'm going to continue on the addiction theme, and I'm going to broaden this as widely as possible because obviously a lot of people are addicted to things other than substances. Uh, people are addicted to television, um, or they are addicted to food, uh, which I guess is kind of substance or whatever it is. Everyone's kind of addicted, a little bit addicted to something, even if it's just coffee. Show us an episode of Doctor Who that contains an addiction. All right. Well, maybe we'll see something with an addiction to monsters, which is <laughs> a lot of Doctor Who fans. But Ooh. could uh, we get love with monsters? Oh, there it is. There it is. But now that we called it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Have you plugged the numbers in? Are you ready? That's right. Give All me right, the countdown. Here we go. In four, three, two, one. Dimensional oscillator says 112. 112. Oh, you betcha. You bet we are in New Who. Oh. It is time for the impossible planet and the Satan pit. Oh, my God. The randomizer did it again. Another tenant two-parter. But it also, it keeps listening to the beginning of the podcast, to something that one of us mentions at the beginning of the podcast. You remember, you mentioned Nightmare of Eden, because we were talking about Bob Baker and Dave Martin uh, stories. You mentioned that was his solo story at the beginning of Three Doctors when the randomizer chose Nightmare of Eden. So you had mentioned it in the show. Impossible Pit, Satan Planet was my first guess <laughs> on the Humoji Challenge. 
So oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. There it is. I think that I love how you reverse the nouns. By the way, the impossible pit. And and the Satan planet, yes. (laughs) I'm going to see if I can keep that going throughout our entire commentary on it. Uh, Unless unless I'm in a parallel universe. Oh, guys, this is going to be a great one. Impossible planet, Satan pit. It's definitely up there. Uh, Well-regarded. Definitely, I got to say, interesting monsters. Not bad. Not bad, (laughs) randomizer. Talk about an interesting monster, yes. And are there addictions? I don't know. We'll have to see. Addiction to translating very old languages. We'll definitely have to see, guys. And we will be doing it uh, with a guest next time. So if you follow us on TikTok or if you follow Doctor Who on TikTok, we've got a special treat for y'all. So come on back next time when there will be three of us discussing the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit on this podcast, Pull to Open, which is a podcast. Yes, you follow podcasts, you subscribe to podcasts, you share them with friends, and also you review them in the Apple Podcast app. Those are things you do with podcasts. Do all those. Five-star reviews are awesome. You will become an instant friend of the show. Uh, but if you want to do even more, go ahead and follow us on our website, pulltoopen.net, or become a patron at patreon.com slash pulltoopen. Follow us on the socials. We are either at pulltoopen63 or pulltoopen. Keep trying. You'll find us there on one of those handles thanks always to martin west for our rock and music and we will see you impossibly next time that's right we'll see you and the ood and the doctor on crop tour see you guys get spiritual with it bye-bye <laughs>